On this episode of Brad on Will, we have draft analyst Hoop Intellect on the show to discuss Paolo Banchero and other prospects the Rockets could select that pick 17. Let's dive into it. Back to another episode of Brad on Will. I'm gonna I'm I'm chop on you real quick, Brad. I saw you over there jamming, yeah, but but I, I'm, I'm one of your hosts, one of your hosts, Will. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Bias Houston. Um, you know, shouts out the the podcast at Brad on Will on you know all your, your platforms, Instagram, Twitter, other good stuff, and shout out Clutch City Control Room. But I'm gonna pass it off to Brad. Yep, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Brad NBA for all your favorite Rockets content and stats. And without further ado, I will introduce our guest. Draft analyst Hoop Intellect has one of the best YouTubes out there. If you guys haven't tapped in already, you're definitely missing out. So, Keandre, my man, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Yeah, of course, of course. It was it was a given we had to get you on for the show before draft time. Like I said, you're literally my favorite guy on, on draft uh, YouTube and any content related. So, I appreciate you for taking the time to come out here. So, Will, did you want to dive into the first question? Yeah, I mean, now you kind of, you kind of perfectly lobbed it, right? Uh, the first question we had, we kind of went, like, the, the guests when they come on for the first time to kind of get comfortable and get a chance to kind of explain, talk about themselves a little bit first. So the first question we had for you was kind of just, how did you get into to scouting prospects and what made you decide to start doing YouTube? Yeah. So, you know, I was in, I was in college at Oklahoma state um, and I was, you know, majoring in sports media and kind of just trying to find my way, find my lane and everything. So I, I wrote quite a bit about, you know, different basketball topics and uh, specifically the draft a little bit before. Um, but my editing wasn't really up to par. I wasn't that good. Um, I kind of had to kind of work on that. So I did a lot of highlights and stuff, trying to work on Adobe Premiere, just putting stuff together, um, just doing a lot of different things with certain players like that might not get the type of shine that, you know, some others get. Um, so like Alex Caruso, I did that video um and then several others just certain niche things about the game and then um kind of through that like early 2020 i decided to go ahead and you know put some of that draft stuff i did in writing onto youtube and make the scouting report videos and those took off way more than i ever thought they would so um from there i kind of just decided to dive in completely to it and and try to get as good as i can and learn as much as i could um you know, try to get better every day, every video that I make. So that's kind of the the short version of, um, you know, what I did to, to, to get into YouTube. And then um, it's just been kind of a, a crazy thing since since then. And a lot of people from all different fan base across the world been, been rocking with the channel. So, yeah, that's that's basically the short version of it. Yeah. And speaking on the channel, um, again, you have a lot of in-depth videos. So when it comes to scouting a prospect, like pretty much what are you doing when you want to evaluate a prospect? Are you watching like tens, 20, 30 amount of games? Are you just looking at other scouting reports, pulling up a bunch of stats? Like what goes into it for you? Yeah, so I think the start is just like during the regular season. So a lot of these dudes are in college. So just kind of taking notes and getting a baseline of what they do as a player. And then um, also cutting clips in the process, getting those games and making the job a little bit easier on the back end. Um, and then when I decided to kind of finally put the video all together, we do a lot of a lot of different research and, and getting stats and, and things of that nature. Um, 
use a lot of stuff from Synergy uh, advanced wise, and then, you know, just kind of put it all together in into one video in the format that we do. So it can be up to like, I would say, I try to get the, the, the baseline of it. I try to get the, the best games and the worst games. Um, some of the top prospects is basically, I watch pretty much and cut up almost every game, um, just kind of to get that because they're the most important in the class. And then the other ones will be a good amount of them, at least probably like 15 or, or so or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the process of it. Um, and then just when you're looking at different prospects, you're just looking for a lot of different things, depending on the type of player it is, um, the situation that they're in, listening to different interviews, the coaches, what they run, just trying to get a full perspective of what they do and what they can potentially do going into the NBA. Nice. Thanks. Yo, before I jump into the next question, you just kind of inspired a question for me. But is this just you by yourself doing these videos or do you have like a team? What what, what kind of goes into that for you? Yeah, it's just me. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I wish I could have gotten in a couple editors or something at, at a certain point, but that never like really worked out to get everybody like working on the same you know wavelength and everything like that. So. Yeah, it's just me doing doing everything from the graphics no. to the music and yeah, everything in between. No, I was I was I was gonna give you a props right there because it like you're like like Brad said, your videos are some of the most informative on YouTube. So it's really impressive. And I hear Definitely. you're doing it 100 percent by yourself. So kudos to you. Um, but the next question I kind of had for you was, you know, we we're 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 Rockets fans. We we like the Houston Rockets over here. Um and it's looking more and more each passing day that Paulo Bancaro is probably going to be the guy who's going to be left at pick three for us to take. Um, we saw today Jabari Smith worked out with Orlando and he talked about in his interview that um, he'd only worked out for, he's only planning to work out for Orlando and OKC. So I'm assuming we're going to be out of that running for him. And then I, this is just my personal guess. I don't think um, Shet's going to get past pick two either. So like I said, I think it's looking like Bancaro is going to be the pick for us at pick three. So um, what are kind of your thoughts on Paulo Bancaro as a prospect, like for the Rockets fans who may not be familiar with this game? And then my next, my second part to that follow-up question is like the two biggest weaknesses that we talk about, we talk about Paulo Bancaro is his defensive, you know, effort at times is not where it should be. And then the, the, the three-point shooting is maybe not where you would want it to be. So what are your, your just thoughts on him as a prospect and, you know, especially those weaknesses? Yeah. So, you know, Paulo, he's, you know, about 6'10", 6'11", even, uh, 250 pounds or whatnot, somebody who can, you know, he really excels at making plays for others, both in transition and in the half court, and also has um, some of the, the most talented, the highest skill in terms of creating um, offense for himself, especially at that size, being able to get all the way to the basket, often using his spin, using his body to, to finish at the rim. Um, and really, to me, he's the he is my number one prospect just because of some of those reasons, being able to create offense for himself and for others, um, just given his size and being able to to play in a different uh, a lot of different roles and, and situations, um, possibly using him as somebody who can be more of a hub of an offense like that Detroit Blake Griffin or also play a little bit on the wing off the ball um, and being able to create shots that way um, and offense that way. Um, so that's really kind of the, the short version of him as a player. And like you said, um, those concerns about his defensive effort, you know, those are they're 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 valid, they're valid, they're they're viable. Um, but my thing with him is that was the case for a lot of Duke teams in the past, and really 
everybody but like Mark Williams on this current team and Wendell Moore a lot of the times. There was a lot of lapses. I think the thing that I focused on with him is that he he does have the ability to hold his own on switches and against guards. And when he really locked in, he was uh, an effective defender at the least. So kind of just being able to put him into an NBA situation and get him to kind of commit to that end of the floor is really the the main thing um, defensively that I would be um, most concerned with. I guess you can have some certain concerns about his foot speed um, in, in certain situations or being able to guard uh, or match up with certain um positions for full time of games but other than that I don't I'm not seriously concerned in the way that his reputation has kind of become um in that way of being like this this bad defender I think that there's just certain things that he's going to have to work on and, and put more effort towards um on that end and be more aware um and then as for his shooting you know I think that's just going to come with time you know time will tell on that um mechanically I think he's he's solid the only thing that I would really focus on for him is just being able to consistently shoot at the, the top of his, his jump. So sometimes that he'll, he'll come, he'll shoot on the way down and you look, there was like certain pull-ups, I think specifically in that Gonzaga game where he's going fluid in transition all the way up into his shot. Um, just kind of getting more consistency and being able to play off the ball. I think he'll get a lot of opportunities wherever he lands because there will be other guys that will have a lot of attention on them, get a lot of, you know, free looks and being able to work from there. But, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about Paulo and landing in a situation like Houston. I think that there's a lot – there's endless possibilities of how you can use him and then kind of being able to experiment given that you are a young team and have – guys like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., just in Alperin Shingun, even just kind of feeling things out and being able to to experiment without having the pressure of, oh, we have to win right now or we have to win next year. So, Yeah, I was going to say I really like the Blake Griffin comparison for Paolo Benchero that you gave. And, you know, with the with his role in the Rockets next season, assuming that he's picked by the Rockets, is that the kind of you know role you'll see him playing, a guy who's going to get a lot of touches, you know, kick it off to guys, really good playmaker, of course, is that how you kind of see him fix, uh, fitting in with the, the team? Yeah, that's that'd be the place that I think he would be the most effective in. Um, and specifically kind of that Detroit Blake who could do a little bit more off the dribble and, you know, create. And when he was with the Clippers, there was a lot of uh, pick and roll. He was doing a lot of decision making and hitting those like pick and pop mid-range jumpers all the time. Detroit, he kind of stretched it out a little bit. That one year he made all NBA third team. Um before getting hurt going into playoffs. But that would be the the kind of area that I would start and then just kind of trying to figure out the relationship between him and Shingun, especially defensively, um, and how much you can play them together, staggering their minutes. You know, you've got Christian Wood in there for the time being um, and just kind of going from there. Yeah. No. Um, the next question we kind of have for you is, is a little bit based on just the top three in general, but – how do you think, or what do you think the, the top three prospects in this draft, the Jabari, the Shep, Bancaro, what do you think they have to do to be successful at the next level? Yeah, so we kind of touched on the ones that Paulo has to do. Those are the yeah, two yeah. things that um, he has to work on. And then you've got a guy like Jabari Smith. I think the the most pressing issues for him are just kind of the relationship with him between him being more of a, a wing instead of like that small ball uh, five or four man. Um, because he isn't the most effective finishing around the basket. Um, that's going to be a big thing that he's going to have to work on going forward to kind of reach that highest end outcome. And that's why, you know, when you're having that 
number one pick conversation. That's something that he's really going to have to work on. Um, being able to handle the ball, uh, that's something if he's going to be a wing or someone who's going to provide the most value offensively, he's got to be able to to handle it a little bit better than than he currently is and get all the way to the basket, put pressure on the defense in that way. Um, so those will be the main two things for him uh, offensively. And, um, you know, with Chet, some of it, that is going to be the, the strength and weight, weight component. Um, not that that's a, a serious issue in the way that it's kind of talked about often. Um, I think that he's tough enough and he's overcome a lot of different situations through high school, AAU, um, into to Gonzaga. And you just watch what he did against a guy like Jalen Duren, who is as physically imposing as it gets, and he still held his own. So, um, but it's obviously going to make the game a lot easier if he can continue to grow and develop. And I, like I said this before, like if you ask him if he would rather be his size or LeBron, like physically, he's going to pick LeBron. So, um, that's just something that he's going to have to work towards. And then just seeing how much, how far along he is offensively, being able to create his own shot. Um, he's not the quickest guy, but um, just finding places to to impact the game and, and score the ball specifically, I think that's going to be a big thing for him. But that's just kind of come with the situation that he's put into. So um, those are some of the main things. I think they all are very unique and have their different uh, places that they need to, to work on. And that's why it makes this, top three conversations so interesting um, in comparison to some other years, but yeah, that's, that's where it's at. Yeah. I'll say this about the top three really quickly before diving into the next question. It's interesting to see pretty much every NBA team has Jabari number one, but anytime I watch like a scouting video or someone who really does the scouting stuff, they all have uh, Van Carroll number one. So this is really interesting for me to see, but you know, when it comes to those strengths and weaknesses, you know, I think you're on the money with that point and what they need to do going into the next level. But I saw you're about to say something, my man, what's up? Yeah, I do. I do think that's um, pretty interesting. Like, kind of seeing that relationship. A lot of people um, kind of. It's just interesting to see what people pick and choose as that kind of their favorites or what they're looking for. Obviously, Jabari brings something that's like a little bit more safe. Um, but when we're talking about the the number one pick, you kind of want someone who's going to bring something to the table a little bit more, like Paulo um, and what he can do offensively. So that's kind of just where I come from on, on that. You know, I definitely agree. Jabari has an extremely high floor, which is probably why most NBA teams are like, yeah, just let me get him number one. But yeah. diving into the next question, some guys the Rockets could potentially grab at pick 17. Kelly Eco from The Athletic previously reported that they're bringing in a few guys for a draft workout. That includes Marjan Bochamp and Nikola Jovic. So diving into Marjan really quickly, uh, I think he's a really good fit for the Rockets. You know, he's a wing, has um, – really athletic. He can shoot, plays good on-ball defense. But I was curious to see what your strengths and weaknesses were for Marjan and maybe his fit on the Rockets if you were to get drafted here. Yeah, I actually have a Marjan video coming out today. Nice. Um, okay, perfect. <laughs> so it'll be a little bit more detailed than what I'll say here. But, um, yeah, you kind of hit on a few things. You know, he's a pretty good athlete. He's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, um, somebody who can really defend. Um, someone who just finds a way to impact the game in a lot of different ways. He – I can't remember exactly if he led the team in scoring, but it was very close with him and Artie. I think he was right below him when we look at the, the total of the season. Um, but as a guy who's not really like, he's not getting a lot of um, on-ball reps and being able to create and things of that nature. So um, just being a, being a really good cutter, somebody who's going to attack the glass as a wing, which is obviously a winning trait. Um, you know, just really doing all those 
different little things. Um, he needs to work on being a consistent three-point shooter. That's the big thing for him. Um, because, you know, obviously in the modern NBA, being able to to space the floor and as a wing, you might get played off the floor and, or the people are just going to completely leave you open in the corner. We've seen Matisse Thibault's minutes diminish in the playoffs before um, for that same reason. So just being a more consistent shooter, he has a little bit better track record than a guy like Matisse. Um, even going back to Juco, he shot 40% in the 12 games um, that he played there. So um, I think there's a little bit more promise in, in that perspective. And then um, also just being a little bit better as a, as a playmaker, as a ball handler. Um, there were times where he would lose the ball. I think he does have some upside scoring-wise. Like as an individual, he shot really well from the mid-range. But that's something that's going to kind of come later on and, and not be the, the first thing that he brings to the table, in my opinion. Um, but really, I, I just like him. I think he's one of the safer um, role-player bets, like outside of the lottery. I think that, you know, worst-case scenario, he's going to find a way to contribute because that's just the the nature of his game. Um might not have that highest ceiling and, you know, bringing to the table in terms of like um, maybe an alternative like a Jovic or an, an Usman Jengs who who might bring a little bit more offensively down the line. But um, what he does do, I'm really confident in. I I think this is one of the, the better situations for him. You're on the money you know, with that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was say you you brought up um, Jaden Hardy. This is kind of just interrupting the flow of the, the questions, but you brought up Jaden Hardy and – we had Adam Spinella on the, the podcast maybe about two weeks ago, and he said that he has um, Jaden Hardy. I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the sixth best prospect in the draft. Yeah, he had him. He had him number six. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting hearing your thoughts on it. Um, you know, some people think he's six best. Some people think he's a little bit on the lower end of the draft. So I, I guess where are you on that? Funny enough, kind of in the middle somewhere. Um, I think at some point we because of his shooting splits, people just kind of immediately got turned off, even though he did play a lot better down the stretch. Um, but he's one of the most talented scorers and shooters in the class. I wouldn't go as high as six, but I think that he's definitely a, a lottery type of prospect still, um, just given his his kind of, you know, offensive ability, the type of numbers that he put up in catch and shoot situations, um, his track record going back to high school as somebody who could really light it up. Um, in a lot of ways. So um, that's kind of where I'm at on, on Jaden Hardy. I think that he's he's still one of those guys who who should get a lot of reconsideration. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, back on track, um, the, the other prospect that we kind of been hearing about um, in that athletic article where I referenced was Nikola Jovic. Um, and it says that, you know, we brought a man for a draft interview. Um, so, like, what are your thoughts on, on him as a player? Maybe his potential fit with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, so he's somebody 6'10", 6'11", which really helps him as a player. Um, and he's also naturally gifted as as a, somebody who can shoot the ball. He can he can handle it a little bit, um, might throw in some step backs in there. He can pass it uh, and did it all at a, at a pretty high level in a professional league at, you know, 18, 19 years old. So and then going back to last year, what he did in the in FIBA, um, doing a lot of the same things and putting up 18, 19, 20 points a game. Um, the thing with him, the knock with him is going to be his defensive ability. Um, he's probably on the lower end of defenders in this class. I think that's something that's really going to potentially hamper him at the next level and then also kind of finishing at the basket when he gets there. But 
you know, for a for a team like the Rockets, I don't mind the, the kind of swing at that. What is it? The 17th pick, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So at that point of the draft, I wouldn't mind getting a guy like Jovic, um, depending on the options that are there, because, you know, there's a lot of different talks about who's going high, who's going high, who's going to fall this, that, and the third. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a little bit that I have on, on kind of Jovic and, and him with the Rockets. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, the Rockets are an extremely bad defensive team, worse than the NBA. And even though Jovic is a Don't do it like that, man. <laughs> no, I, I will do it like that because they need to fix the issue. It, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so, yeah, this, if this guy comes into the Rockets, at, um, you know, for pick 17s, it could be hard to play him because the Rockets need to improve you. So, you know, going yeah. into some other prospects that are really good defensively or that Rockets Twitter has been really, you know, emphatic about drafting because Rockets Twitter, when, when they get locked in on somebody, they, they're really locked in. So I wanted to talk about a few other guys starting with Jalen William and Ujmain Jang uh, from Australia. We had Spinella come on and talk about Jang, and he gave really good insight on him, uh, Jalen Williams as well. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on those players. Yeah, so um, I definitely would like them at that 17 spot, both of them. I think those are really good options. Um, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, somebody who really caught on late, kind of kind of late in the year um, for whatever reason. I'm not completely sure. But, um, you know, he's somebody who's like about 6'6", has really long arms, 7'2", wingspan. Everybody was kind of drawn to those to those measurables, uh, pretty good vertical as well. Um, somebody who can create for himself and also one of the better passers quietly in this draft. Um, has some work to do as a shooter, uh, but, you know, he, he has been at least serviceable in, in that regard. I think you put him in a situation. I think he's someone that's going to have a lot of suitors. He's a little bit older, but... You put him in a situation like the the Rock is coming off of the bench and, and being able to contribute and kind of be a little bit of the glue for for this team um, in, a, in a lot of ways and being able to make plays for others and just kind of um, not the same as Marjan because he has a little bit more ball skills and is able to do different things, but just the way that he's able to impact the game and be his unselfish nature, I think that's something that that's a quality that you really like on a team on a young team like this. Um and then Jang is kind of that that ultra swing pick. So um, coming into the to the NBL, he never really played at the the highest levels internationally. Um, it was a big jump coming into a, a league that that's the at that level, and he struggled early on. You know, we've seen guys like Lamelo and Josh Giddy have these great seasons, even though they did struggle a little bit. Um, they caught on a little bit faster. Him, it took longer, but the second half of the season, he had one of the best turnarounds that I've ever seen from a prospect mid season. Um, being able to to do what he does at about six ten, um, he can he can handle it. He's a pretty good and projectable defender on that end, and he he already held his own at a high level um, early on in his professional career. And then just what he's able to do as a, as a playmaker, he's got a lot of upside there. And then you know I think it will be take some time for him because both physically and then he's just not completely there yet as a shot creator, somebody who's going to hand the ball to and just go get you a bucket, but he did have a lot of moments, you know, using those hang dribbles, pulling up and, and um, you know, between the legs, hesitations from three and, um, you know, pull up mid ranges and, and handling in the pick and roll. So um, he's kind of that swing pick if he's there at, I think that he's more of a, a lottery type of talent. That's where I would start considering him. But if he's there at 17, it's going to be, you're going to have like a, 
an interesting um, decision on your hands, just given that he's going to take a little bit longer development-wise. But the talent, the 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 high-end talent might be a little bit higher than some of the other options there. Yeah, yeah. No. Go ahead, Brad. Nice. You want to say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say with with Jay, yeah, yeah, he started really slow, but I really like the creation ability he has and the upside that he has. That's definitely somebody I would take a swing for at 17. But I really think he's gonna go way before 17, to be honest. But I love him as a prospect. I see teams are starting to get really high on him. Yeah, go ahead, Will. Yeah, uh, we have a, a pretty fun activity um, that we kind of have planned. Shout out uh, Madison on Twitter. I know he's listening. Um, but Madison asked us to ask you about. Uh, so he he lists three prospects, right? He has Jalen Williams, Ty Ty Washington, and Dyson Daniels, and he wants us to talk about them and rank them as on terms of passer as a passer, as a scorer, and as a, as a defender. So you need to repeat it: Jalen Williams, Ty Ty Washington, and Dyson Daniels. Yeah. So I guess we will start with we'll start with it's a tough defenders. One, huh? We'll start with defenders because I think Dyson Daniels is the best defender out of them. I think he has the best foot speed. Somebody who can, you know, pick up 94 feet or at least did on an occasion and guard multiple positions at his height. Um, and I really like what he he's capable of doing off ball and his grasp of rotation. So as defenders, I'm ranking him number one. Um, the second part of this, so Jalen Williams and Ty Ty Washington, that's a little bit closer. Um I think I would go Jalen Williams just because of his size and wingspan. And, and um, but you know, in terms of like foot speed, though, they're they're both not the best. Um, so I would go Jalen Williams second and then Ty Ty third. And that's in terms of defense. Um as passers, that this is tough because they all do <laughs> different things and they're able to get to different spots. Um I think I would mm, it's tough, it's, one. It's tough it to, to get put on the spot and, and think of this. I need a little bit more time. But uh, I think I would <laughs> – I'm going to go 1A. I'm going to go 1A Jalen Williams. That's fair. I like that. Because of the places that he can get to, to on the court easier um, in terms of overall playmaking. And then 1B Dyson Daniel. Uh, Ty Ty's good too, though. <laughs> Hey, shut up, Madison, man. Yeah, that's a good question. It's a tough question because I think Ty Ty is a little bit better than he might have shown playing off ball to a guy like um why am I forgetting his name just all of a sudden? Uh help me out. Somebody Kentucky <laughs> Guards. What's what school? Kentucky. Uh uh, you're thinking of hold on. Not See, Back I'm up. just having to yeah, go ahead and look it up. You're good. <laughs> I can't. I can't not say it. Savier Wheeler. See, of course. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, brain's messed up because of this question. No, you're um, good. <laughs> so just playing off the ball, off of Savier Wheeler, he he kind of had a, a different role than he might in in a different situation. But um, yeah, I, I think we'll just go Jalen Williams, Dyson Daniels, and Ty Ty as passers, and then as scores, I'm going Jalen Williams. Ty Ty Washington, and then Dyson Daniels third. Um, I think Jalen Williams and Ty Ty are a little bit closer, yeah. but um, his ability to to create space is a little bit better. Ty Ty isn't the, the burstiest, 
Um, he has to kind of use the pick and roll a little bit more. He's a great um, mid-range shooter, and and I think that'll stretch out. And he has a really good floater game as well. I think it'll stretch out going to the next level. But Dyson is definitely third um, in that list, in my opinion. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at on that. Just live working that out. I'll say this: being put on the spot, you answered that question really well. <laughs> you did. That was a good, was a great question. question too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back into some other guys, you know, the Rockets could select that 17. Uh, Tari Eason, you know, another guy really high on. Uh, it's kind of one to talk about how recently it's come out that he hasn't really been impressing in, you know, interviews that he's been in. Maybe it's questions around his IQ. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Adam Spinella brought it up. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this issue and maybe his thoughts as a basketball player? Yeah, so from like an outside perspective, like obviously I – my here, I'll just start here. So my thing with like the basketball IQ is it's kind of used in different ways for different players um, and kind of in, in the, in the wrong ways. I posted something on Twitter today is like, you know, they said a whole bunch of stuff about Anthony Edwards coming in pre-draft about his basketball IQ. And then they'll say different things about other players there. They have the highest basketball IQ. And then at the end of the day, they can't play or they don't contribute on the same level. So, um, I think just moving away from that, we have to use different words and also kind of more specifically talk about certain things within the player's game to better describe than rather putting this blanket statement of like IQ on players, um, especially a certain type that they that is often attributed to. Um, which in Tari's case, he does have some some. Let's say, you know weaker areas or improvement areas in terms of like decision-making and um, kind of slowing down and, and gambling less on, on defense. So, um, you know, you can see those things, but in terms of like moving my ranking or, you know, moving your ranking because of, you know, these rumors or questions about his basketball IQ, I just say, you know, watch what he did at LSU and, and base your, your feelings on that. But him as a prospect, you know, being for the Rockets, I, I love him. I think if he's there at 17, if, unless someone else happens to fall there that you like are like, wow, I can't believe he's here. That's the guy that I would really kind of target, especially with the way that um, a lot of people are mocking him more towards the twenties. I think that he's, you know, a borderline lottery type of talent. Um just with, with what he's able to do and his kind of instincts defensively, just being able to play passing lanes at that level that he did and um, be an event creator on, on defense and the versatility that he kind of provides there. And then also being able to, you know, get to the basket and, and impose his will in the way that he did. Obviously you have to rein some certain things in there, but hopefully in a, in a lesser role that th those things could kind of work themselves out over time. Um, but yeah, I know I'm just kind of rambling about different topics of this, this Tari Easton topic, but there you go. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah. I want to say, I just watched your Tari Easton video. It was amazing content. Of course, uh, you, you compared him to OG, I want to say, and then also James Johnson. Those were uh, both really good comparisons. You know, the Rockets have needed a small forward power forward for some time. And we've always said OG would be a great fit on the Rockets. So someone like Tari Easton coming in. They give you a great fit. Now, you can't look too much into the interview. So uh, I appreciate your input on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that 3-4 spot, he definitely fits fits a, a definite need for this 
team and it could fill a lot of gaps, especially with the the kind of guys that you're trying to build around. I think that he fits perfectly. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So actually that, that actually brings up a question that I, I have kind of off topic a little bit, but one of the things that we have been having, I would say controversial, but it's, it's something we've been talking about a lot on Rutgers Twitter. Like Brian said, I think if you were to poll the majority of people on Twitter, uh, ask them who would they want at pick 17, you'd probably get uh, Tari Easton is probably the most popular answer at 17. But um, some of like the, the talking points kind of for and against it is some people think that he's not going to come in and play uh, small forward. I think they think he's going to be more of a power forward than a small forward at the next level. So what position do you think he's going to do? you think he's going to be able to first out to play both? If it, is he just a power forward? Like, what, what, is, what does he do? I think that he has the potential to to play both. Obviously, every team is kind of different. So the person that's going to be in that three spot or be in that four spot is going to be way different on, on a nightly basis. One, one night you might be playing Evan Mobley there. The other, you know, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and and, and whoever else um, kind of filling in there. So um, it'll be a little different, but I think he has the foot speed to keep up with a variety of players and, you know, the way that he's able to to kind of to be active and, and use his, his great physical tools and the way that he is able to play those passing lanes and, and dig on the ball, I think can, can make him a really um, impressive player and somebody you can put in a, a lot of different spots next to a lot of different types of players. Yeah. I mean, uh, so moving on to the next question, um, we have what are your top three most slept on prospects in this draft, the guys you think are going to be overlooked? Yeah, so I wasn't really sure which direction to kind of go with this one, um, I guess, because we already kind of talked about Hardy. I, I was going to bring him okay. up a little bit just because, you know, sometimes he's he's been ranked like closer to the, the 30s and, and things like that. Um, I think my number one guy would probably be Ryan Rollins um, out of Toledo, somebody who it's about 6'3", but has like a plus seven wingspan. Um, really impressed at the, the NBA draft combine, somebody who can create his own shot, kind of that natural combo guard. Um, he's got some work to do defensively, but you look at the, the totality of his game, what he's able to do in pick and roll. I think he's one of the, the better pick and roll prospects in this draft. Um, and as somebody who's like projected to go in that mid second round, I really like him. I would consider him even into the first. So, um, He's one of my first most slept on prospects. Um, the next guy I think we will go with is probably Max Christie. And I say that because even I feel like I've been, you know, kind of put him on the back burner as the year has gone on. Um, I really like his tools, about six, seven, long arms, was a lot better defensively this year than I expected him coming in which is a really good sign. Um, offensively, he has a lot to, a lot of work to do, and it'll probably take him a couple years to really hone in on that end. Um, but I buy his shooting mechanics, at least as a spot-up player. I think he'll definitely be able to do that, um, and everything else will be just extra. I think he's uh, got high feel for the game and, and really showed that in a lot of ways. And um, being at Michigan State, he had to have that motor on at all times. So, um, And, it, you know, Tom Izzo isn't a guy who particularly – likes or enjoys playing freshman, but he relied on him and had everything, uh, all compliments to say about him. So um, those were both some positive things to talk about with him. Um, and then the last guy I think I would go with 
is I was in between two on this one. I think I think we will go with Vince Williams Jr. And he's somebody who was a little bit disappointing at the um, G League Elite Camp. But, you know, you look at his track record over throughout college, he's one of the better shooters in college basketball over the last several years. Um, high feel for the game, somebody who can really pass the ball, um, both as sort of a connector off the ball, making that extra pass, and also someone who can run a few pick and rolls. Um, not that he's going to do a ton of that in the NBA, but um, just being that complimentary sort of piece. Um, and defensively, I think that he's really solid. He's a little bit, I guess you would say, behind the A ball in terms of foot speed, but in terms of feel for the game and, and being able to, to be in the right spots, that's where he really excels. And I think that he's at least worthy of being drafted. And if he doesn't go drafted, he'd be one of my first targets for um, in an undrafted free agent. So he's somebody who I would really watch sort of in that that area of the draft. Um, but, yeah, he's somebody who probably won't get talked about too often, but I, I enjoy his game. I'll say this. Uh, for the second guy you, you mentioned, Max Christie, Adam Spinella came on the show and talked about him and his fit on the Rockets. And I think he's a really impressive player that is slept on. You know, he didn't shoot the best last year from three, but I, he is a really good defender, versatile. And I think he's someone that can, you know, really open up the floor for Jalen Green. But uh, yeah, but going into my next question, I really just wanted to ask you about one of your recent mocks that you did. I saw you put AJ Griffin going before Keegan Murray. And we also had Spinella on the podcast talking about AJ Griffin. He said he was the worst uh, prospect he's ever seen on defense. So <laughs> I was curious to hear maybe your thoughts on that or why he could potentially get drafted over Keegan Murray. Yeah, so I think with AJ and Keegan, they're like so, so different as kind of prospects. You've got Keegan, who's this old sophomore. He's about to be, I think, turns 22 this year. I think so. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's a little bit different than A.J. Griffin is somebody who was 18 throughout his entire uh, freshman season. Um, and also <laughs> and also, just somebody who, um, you know, he did have those struggles defensively. I think the, the difference is he does have the tools. He's not somebody like Trey Young or somebody who's, you know, a small guard that that's going to get picked on every single possession. I think he has a lot of work to do, especially um, with his foot speed and just being able to, to know his personnel and know how much pressure that he can put on a player. Um, but he is, at the end of the day, he's six, six-ish with a seven-foot-plus wingspan. So those are tools that I would bet on. And um, offensively, his I think he's the best shooter in the draft. Um, him and then Jabari Smith are right there at the top. Um, and I think he has some more to go, uh, an untapped potential in terms of individual shot creation. I think you saw some of that with some of those step backs and, and things that he would do, um, turnaround jumpers and things of that nature. And you go back and watch him in high school, he showed a little bit more of that. Um, but yeah, with him as a prospect, I think I would just rather, um, sort of bet on his upside. I think they're very close as prospects, like they're right there in, in terms of where I would rank them. Um, and for somebody to to say that his defense is the the kind of deciding factor, it, it makes sense. Um, but for the Keegan side of things, you know, I just don't know how much he's really going to bring to the – I know everybody like kind of talks about this and, and uses this as him like this – uh, shot creator 
Uh, I don't particularly see that as something that he's really going to do at a, at a super high level, but I think that he's one of the most can't-miss players in the entire draft. What he brings to the table, super solid defensively, you know, super efficient transition, being able to, to knock down open threes, producing points at a high level, being able to potentially be, you know, sort of a screener and, and, and roll man finish at the basket at a high level. I think those are all things that he can bring to the table. And just when we're talking about like kind of top five, top six area, top seven, I, and I think it was specifically for the Pacers. So I just went with yeah. AJ Griffin. Um, and I believe I went Keegan Murray right after that. So it's kind of a, fluid situation but that's just how i feel uh, yeah because i i was i was shocked when i saw that i i saw a lot of people like i i think it was um who was it on draft night on espn they said they had keegan murray's like the fourth best prospect yeah. in, the, in the job i can't the name is escaping me right now was it jonathan so, yeah, that, gavoni was it him was i it? think it was either gavoni or mike schmitz yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I think it was schmitz but i mean like yeah. so it's it was, it was one of those two guys but yeah, yeah, that was that was something that I saw. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I haven't, I don't think I saw a mock draft that had AJ Griffin going before uh, Keegan Murray. Um, yeah. But I know there's, oh, go ahead. there's a there's a section of people who you know even consider Keegan Murray with you know the top three, top four type of guys. So yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not completely there in, in terms of like his overall upside. But you know, I I definitely be wrong. So no, that's fair. That's, that's really fair. fair. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we have, you know, we talked about sleepers in the draft, but who do you think is somebody who's going to like go in the second round? We're going to look back one day and be like, man, this guy was a steal. Um, you kind of touched on it earlier because you said, um, it was a name you had said, who's I think is going to go in the second round. What you said about your sleepers? I can't think of it right Vince now. Vince Williams? No, uh, no, Ryan Rollins. Ryan, Ryan Rollins. Rollins yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Ryan Rollins would be one of those guys. Um, potentially Darion Sebron um, at an NC State. Just for his ability to to put pressure on a defense. Now he's gonna have to be able to shoot the ball, like that's one of his bigger weaknesses, and also some things defensively that he's gonna have to patch and work through. But when you're looking at somebody who can get to the rim as like almost as good as anybody else in this class, um, I think that's that's somebody to watch and and really look out for, especially going forward. Looking back, like you know that was somebody that everybody kind of missed on possibly because NC State wasn't that great or people weren't watching the, the ACC, they're the lower teams in the ACC that well. Um, but he's he's for sure somebody I think could end up being that, that kind of sleeper when we look back. No, yeah. Those are going to be some guys I'm going to start looking into now because I haven't heard of them yet. So <laughs> I'll check them out. But I want to segue into the next draft class, 2023. It's supposed to be a generational draft class at the top to the point where Rockets fans – they don't care about us having the worst record in the NBA two years in a row. They want us to tank again to potentially get some of these guys at the top of the next draft class. So what are your thoughts on this, the 2023 class as a whole? Or, like, would it even be worth the Rockets just trying to tank to get, like, a top five pick? Or you think the, the class is just so talented up front that they don't even need to worry about tanking because they'll probably be in the lottery regardless. They will be in the lottery regardless, I'll say. so. Yeah, that's my thinking around the whole Rockets situation. The Rockets are going to be bad in the first place. So this kind of idea that like, Hey, let's not pick certain players or not come into the season with what they have or try to build what, what they have is kind of weird. 
um, because they're already going to be bad. And this isn't the old lottery odds. You still, everybody gets a 14% chance at the top, right? not the 25% chance. So let's say you go five and 77 and then get the third pick. It's like, what was all that for? Um, And everybody has bad habits. Everybody's like, please get me out of here. Um, So if the coach gets fired, nobody has continuity anymore. Like that's the type of thing that kind of comes along with that. So, um, but the overall prize at number one is he, he's kind of worth doing some things in the second half of the season. I would say Victor Wimbanyama, um, the dude is like seven, five can move dribble pass and shoot. He's about as good as a prospect as there is going to be, um, in the NBA draft. I think, you know, that's, that's the main prize next year. And for this Rockets team, he definitely fits right into what they would want to do and build with going forward and would change the direction of their franchise. And you just have a lot of young talent in a, in a huge way. Um, but then you've also got Scoot Henderson, um, really good point guard. You've got the Thompson twins who should make some noise at the top of the draft. I think a big like Kalel Ware, I think he's going to to make a lot of noise um, and potentially, um, you know, compete for that third spot. Um, in the draft next year, a big man who's going to, to Oregon. And then you've got Derek Whitehead. Um, there's a lot of talent at the top of this draft. I think it's going to be one of the best that we've seen in the last several years. Um, possibly possibly even better than last year's, which was, you know, great and has the potential to be, you know, one of those ones in, in terms of we look back. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of, kind of my, my thoughts on – 2023 I think Houston is in a good position to get somebody who's going to um, really help them going forward and be uh, somebody who could possibly even would have competed for the number one pick in this draft so regardless of what they do I think they're going to be in a good position Um, but yeah that 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 idea that you should just you know tank in in the weirdest ways you're not going to get more more odds because you lost more games it's that's just not how it works so yeah, speaking of the overall prize, I've heard people say Wimby is 7'3", 7'4", 7'5". I recently saw 7'5", and you just said 7'5". So is he actually 7'5"? Or? Here's the thing. So when you look at pictures of him standing next to Chet, who's listed at, what, 7'1"? 7'1", yeah. Um, he's towering over him. You look at that picture from the the FIBA last last summer, you've got uh, Zach Eady in there, who I think is listed at 7'4", from Purdue. You've got Chet. You've got Nikola Jovic, Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey looks like a fourth grader, um, and Wimby is towering over all of them. So it's – I wouldn't be surprised if he is, but I think he's listed as 7'2", 7'3", but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he's even taller than that. Yeah, Ivey looks like uh, that picture of Will and I sitting next to Ryan Holland. <laughs> <laughs> that picture. Yeah. But yeah, 7'5 yeah. is crazy. But yeah. yeah. That's that's the thing, man. I, I understand why people – like kind of move that way like hey let's just lose every single game so we can get the top odds but it's like there's going to be other teams that have those same odds so you know it's it's just kind of a a thing that you have to kind of juggle and and just go with what you have and and see what comes out of it right yeah i i think i've been the one of the bigger proponents on rackets twitter of just not punting the season before it even starts. Yeah. But like I, I've been trying to tell you all the time, like, man, we don't gotta get creative to lose games next year. We're gonna we're gonna lose them regardless. Like we don't got it done special. We don't gotta bench nobody. We're gonna we're gonna lose games anyways. But uh, my next question, um you had a video maybe about a year ago where you talked about Kevin Porter Jr. and you know him possibly like the next one up. And you know he had a he had a 
uh, a rough start to the season. He kind of cleaned it up towards the end of the season. You know, his numbers look really, really well. He looked like his last, like, 30-some games. But, yeah, that, fir- that, that first start was not what you would have wanted to see from him um, coming off of his, his last season. Um, so what are your thoughts on Kevin Porter Jr. right now and just kind of him moving forward? You know, that, that's, that's my guy. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I like Kevin Porter Jr. still. I think that they should still experiment with that, you know, KPJ, Jalen Green backcourt, at least for the next season and kind of see what you have there. And, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of both of them and, and you know, kind of go from there. But, um, yeah, that's the second half of the season, he turned it back up and looked a little bit more like we what, what we might have expected at the, the beginning of the season. A lot of different factors that could have went into that um, coming in this year. But, you know, I'm a little less confident in his ability to kind of be that point guard than I was coming into this year. But, you know, there's still so much time and, and development. He's still super young, hasn't even barely played uh, multiple seasons in the NBA um, or really had any continuity until the last, you know, year and a half or whatever. Um, so just kind of kind of working through his his strengths and weaknesses. I saw you guys' clip of him, his catch and shoot numbers, you know, being what they were. I think you kind of just try to try to put him in some different situations, kind of rein in his his ball handling or self-creation ability and try to, you know, um, make it a little bit more efficient. Sometimes he might get a little, you know, and one on you, hoop mixtape at certain times that you want to swing that. But, uh, you know, I, he's a talented player. I still think he's one of the more talented young players in the league, and I still got confidence in him. So, um, yeah, that's that's KPJ in my opinion. I'll say, Will and I really appreciate you for spreading that KPJ propaganda. <laughs> if, you're, if you're ever in Houston, we're going to write you to the Rockets cookout. You know, you're good with us. <laughs> so that'd be appreciated. Hey, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought he might be one of the most improved players last year. So he's, I've been a fan of his for, for a minute. That's good. That's good. But yeah, going into our next question, just a fun question. You know, we got the NBA Finals going on right now. Obviously, the Warriors and the Celtics. Celtics just went up two to one. But what are your thoughts on that series? You know, maybe beforehand, who wait, did you wait, have? before. Before you answer the question, he has to answer one question. One question. Uh Who who are you rooting for? Who am I rooting for? Yeah, in the finals. I'm honestly not really rooting for either team. I don't don't have a favorite team. Uh, I'm just kind of rooting for good basketball, and that's what we're getting so far. We we were going to end the podcast right here, right now. (laughs) (laughs) He said the (laughs) words. Yeah, so I was going to take back my invitation to the the cookout. (laughs) But yeah, I guess you just your thoughts your on, the, on the series as a whole. Yeah, um, it's great. It's been great so far. I love the the basketball, the kind of um, chess match between the two coaches and the personnel, um, and and the way that they're defending certain actions on the floor and everything. And then you've got the the kind of drama that Draymond brings to the floor and all that kind of stuff that comes along with being in the NBA Finals and uh, the the Finals MVP talk around Steph and everything. So it's a lot of good elements. I think that we're getting a really good series right now. Um, it's been cool to see Jalen Brown play at this level. I've, you know, he's been up and down throughout the playoffs and, and whatever people have their opinions about him, but, um, yeah, so I've, I've enjoyed it. And also Draymond's podcast that's he's doing after the games. I think that's, he's just shooting himself in the foot in that perspective. Like, I don't understand why you would want to give the other team any insight of what you're thinking or what you're talking about in the locker room. Like, why would you tell Derek White, like we're living like over the podcast, like, no, he's just going to shoot that. Are they going to have that know that what you're thinking already? So I haven't really understood that. It's all good for the the new player media. I, I respect that. But um, 
yeah, we'll see how that turns out for Draymond and the Warriors. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying the series. Yeah, same. It's been a great one. It's been it's one of the better ones. And I mean, we're we're Rockets fans, so we we enjoy watching the Warriors lose so far. So <laughs> definitely. <laughs> no, no, and then the last question we're gonna ask you today, it was kind of a, a fun one we kind of say for the very end, but I was on your uh, your Twitter account and you have a, a pinned tweet of you, I guess it was hooping in like a gym or something. And bro, you're out there looking like Paul George. So I'm like, <laughs> like, have you hooped before? Like, what's what where is this? Where is this coming from? Yeah, um, you know, I'm kind of I'm decent. I'm I'm real decent. Uh, that was uh some YouTube stuff that we did that, that I did last year, um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. That's all I really got to say about that. I I don't really brag about myself in terms of like actual hooping. I didn't go play in college because I that's just the decision that I made. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of kind of what I do. So I'll say this: anybody who says they're decent at basketball. It's a bucket, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you're really nice. I haven't seen that highlight reel, but I'm gonna check it out. Definitely check it out. Yeah, you gotta check but it out. That, yeah, that, <laughs> that pretty much brings our podcast today to a close. So I wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing your insight with us. As always, if you guys haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. We're trying to up that following. We just hit a thousand, so we appreciate you guys. Uh, for Brad and Will, you can catch us again on Instagram and Twitter at Brad and Will. For myself, you can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at Brad NBA. And I'll allow Will to plug yourself. Yeah. Follow me. Instagram, Twitter, that good stuff at Bias Houston. But I, I realized at the start of the, of the podcast, we didn't give you the opportunity to, to plug your channel, um, your, your big time YouTube channel now. So if you want to go ahead and just, just go ahead and plug that real quick. Uh, yeah, I guess you can follow me on YouTube at Hoop Intellect. Um, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, searching Hoop Intellect as well. So, but yeah, I appreciate y'all for, for having me on the show. We appreciate you coming on, man. I mean, you gave us a lot of gems today. It's one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Appreciate that. For sure. And with that, yeah, I think with that, Brad, you got anything else you want to say? I'm going to close it. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Once again, man, we appreciate you for coming on. Maybe we can get you on for 2023 when that uh, draft class uh, gets started. So, yeah, man, we'll, we'll get to, to that point when we get there. But, yeah, that'll do it for this one.